What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all things Web3. And we have a very special episode today because I'm introducing, for the first time ever, the co-host of Real Talk NFT, Brian McNutt. He's also a fellow NFT Nation analyst. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, yeah, pumped to be here. So happy to be here. Joe, you've been the best. Uh, we'll be working together a lot and just uh, happy to be part of the community. When we became aware of you, we just knew we had to get you. But a lot of the first time listeners here don't know your story. So tell us, how did you first hear about crypto or NFTs and how you became here with us, NFT Nation? Yeah, great question. Uh, my crypto story starts a little uh, later than most. Uh, in 2012, I was uh, living in Philadelphia, went to school at Penn State. A good buddy of mine comes out and he gives me the whole Bitcoin, magic money, internet of the money in the future pitch. He, we both uh, we went to school for MSNIS, so kind of like really IT involved. I still remember to this day sitting on my blue couch, looking him right in the face, and I'm like, John, sounds made up. Like, don't even understand. He's like, well, no, if we get a graphics card, get a GPU from Newsegg, we can we can start mining Bitcoin, you know, maybe, maybe one day I'll be worth something. And then we talked a little bit about it. He, he educated me like we all need to go down that road on our own. And I was like, hey, let's buy it. Let's make it happen. So for a few months, uh, we were running that GPU at 100% capacity, caused it, uh, we were in a mining pool, caused it to uh, overheat, um, melt, and our private keys were on there. We, we weren't taking proper uh, precautions like we should have, but we we never got to get access to any of that Bitcoin. And I was like, well, okay, you know, we threw it in a box and we we're like, uh, I guess that's the end of it. Fast forward about 2016 and a uh, job I was working in was a medical job. And the CEO of my company actually reached out to me. He's like, hey, you're into Bitcoin. Aren't you familiar with Bitcoin, how it all works? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. What's it at? Like, I was mining this on a graphics card four years ago. I looked at the price. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't believe it. Like, this actually came to fruition. <laughs> uh, the magic money internet story came true. And that's, that's really when I went kind of balls to the wall with research, reading every book, listening to any podcast that was around. Uh, just the Bitcoin standard was a book that I read that I really enjoyed and I just, I couldn't get enough of it. It was uh, a passion of mine. I was coming home from work, reading about, uh, Bitcoin. I was reading about, uh, other types of crypto assets and crypto coins and shit coins and all, all sorts of opportunities in the space. And as that developed, I started to invest more and invest more pretty much money from every paycheck. I would be buying some, uh, Bitcoin went into probably like the 2017 2018 era there where uh low cap uh you know shit coins were popping off so i i lost some money mm -hmm. there unfortunately but learned some really uh life lessons in investing but really came out with like uh, almost a master's in trading and investing just on my own and i was actually right around that same time in 2018 nice. I was introduced from a friend, uh, the CryptoPunks community. And I was like, oh, these, these look pretty cool. Uh, I love how they're pixelated, but still, there wasn't like massive hype like they were now. And did I ever foresee some of them selling for millions and millions of dollars? It was, you know, very early on, but, you know, explored the CryptoPunk uh, ecosystem, dove deep into uh, CryptoKitties. If anybody's familiar with the CryptoKitties, I was, a popular one there in yes. what 2018 2019 and uh 
from that point on, uh, what really brought me back was uh, NBA Top Shot. I think just like yourself, right around like 20, 2021, 2020. I remember I filled out a beta request. It was like May of hmm. 2020 or August of 2020, right around those times, the time frames getting mixed up slightly to get signed up. Want to be the first people on the platform, never got the email back. And I got into it right around like January of 2021. That's right. December, 2020, January, 2021. That's when I was like, oh, this launched. And I started buying moments. I love the idea of digital collectibles and being able to own something digital and being able to verify it. It just uh, resonated with me very nicely. Wow. So tell us, how did you, because you've been through the CryptoPunks and CryptoKitties and made Topshop beta and launch. So you saw all those launching. Do you remember your first NFT? And tell us about that. Yeah, uh, my first NFT were some crypto kitties, some virgin Gen Zero crypto kitties. Still have them to this day. Uh, I, I've held on to them. I never pulled the trigger on the punk. I just was just getting involved, like completely understanding like smart contracts and and NFTs. And can I right click and save this? But now looking back and uh, right looking back on that, it's just such a comical. Uh, comment I made. So, uh, and then probably the most amount of money I started spending on NFTs was NBA Top Shot. I just loved the idea. And that was where like COVID was very, uh, there's a lot going on with COVID and a lot of people were getting into physical sports cards and they're, you know, opening up slabs or cases of cards from their kids, posting them on eBay and, you know, making five, 10 X on it because we're all pretty much like locked in our houses. And the thing that caught my eye between Top Shot and doing the physical card route was just, if I was going to sell one of my cards on eBay, if it was a raw card or even a graded card, but let's just say I send in a raw card, it's authentic. It takes seven to 10 days. The end user on the back end, even though I sent them an authentic card could be like, this is a fake. And then you get into this complete mm-hmm. dispute on eBay, two people pointing fingers at each other. And that's happened also, I've, I've never to me, but where people have bought like PSA slabs, they, they look like PSA slabs, they send them in, they buy them, and it turns out it's a counterfeit. So I really started to realize that like counterfeiting, even in these graded cards on eBay was a, was a big issue. So that's what kind of led me over to NBA Top Shot. I was like, oh, this is all on chain, verifiable. I can see exactly who bought it, when they bought it, how they bought it. And I love the liquidity of it. If I wanted to sell a card for $100 that day, I could list it, sell it, and get my money in the account almost immediately. Not all those steps that we dealt with in eBay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the same thing I saw. And how, when and how did the passion turn into obsession? Tell us, because most listeners don't know that you actually turned it into uh, what you wanted to do in terms of a, a career as well. Yeah, great, great question. Yeah, so I, I was in the surgical sales for a long, long time, um, assisting surgeons in the operating room. But my passion, like I said, since what, 2016, was researching crypto, blockchain, smart contracts, Web3, any piece of information I could get my hands on. I was thrilled to, you know, watch that on YouTube or read that book. And one day I basically was like, this is such a passion of mine. I'm going to try to make this a full-time job. I have like the sales skills and I have this immense amount of knowledge about blockchain 
and cryptos and especially NFTs that I want to do this as a full-time job. I mean, there's a lot to handle. There's a lot to digest every day. Uh, You have to really be on top of the market. It was tough for me to come home and do like hours and hours of research of NFTs and then still have a full-time job doing something else. So I decided to make it a full-time job. Started doing some consulting work for some companies uh, as an advisor, educating people on like smart contracts, uh, the utility behind NFTs, why it makes sense for artists, why it makes sense for big brands and companies. And I was recruited um, by DraftKings NFT Marketplace. I was there for almost two, close to two years. And uh, it was a great job. We, we did. We had a great time. I had a great time working there, learned a ton, met a great, a ton of great people. They have a product on their platform called NFL Rainmakers, and it's on the Polygon chain. Mm-hmm. And the deal is with the NFLPA, the UFC, and PGA Golf. And not to just talk about this the entire podcast, but it is a very unique way to play fantasy football because all of these players, so if you have a Josh Allen and you open a pack and it's a Josh Allen, it's an actual NFT and you retain that Josh Mm -hmm. Allen player card for the rest of the year. So you can build your fantasy lineup with the portfolio of NFT cards that you actually have on hand. Nice. Yeah, I remember buying DraftKings NFTs, the troll editions, and I actually did uh, okay with that. So uh, thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what is what is something you're most excited about now with NFTs? I know it's been a long journey for you. And we're both here love talking about NFTs. I know we talk a lot offline about NFTs. So it's not just a, a job for both of us. We really do love it. Yeah, I I mean, I'm most excited about just like the innovation and what the future has to come. I mean, I I know it's been like this, like up only past couple years in, you know, nothing goes up in a straight line. There's always like corrections, but at the end of the day, like the fundamental use case behind an NFT just makes way too much sense to me. I mean, being able to finally like claim something digitally or some sort of digital ownership uh, I think every major brand, every major company, sports team, league is going to incorporate PFPs in some form or fashion. And I also think it makes a lot of sense for other uh, industries such as real estate or you hear a lot about art because art can be counterfeited and you could have an NFT almost as like the blueprint to the physical. There's just a lot of ways that NFTs could, you know provide value throughout the years. So that's why I want to be in the space right now. That's why I want to be evaluating all the latest and greatest collectors, artists, projects. Um, yeah, just just ex- extremely happy to like being do, uh, handling this as a full-time job. Yeah, definitely. Same here because digital assets was a term that was only for gamers for me in the past. And right when I saw I made a top shot and all the different NFT projects that you mentioned, not only in, the, only in the form of PFPs, but art also, I really saw myself building a, a asset for myself within the digital space. And with NFTs, that makes it viable, verifiable, indestructible, something that could pass on forever to my kids. And I just got so excited about that because I hate clutter. I, I mean, this is as much stuff as I have about uh, with NFTs and only for decoration purposes, uh, purposes behind me. For those who can't see, uh, hop on over to video. You can see a lot of my NFT uh, vis- physical variations of my NFTs hanging up in the back uh, of my backdrop here. So I really love NFTs for that aspect. But you know, don't be humble. I know you have a crazy <laughs> collection. I know you flip some for upwards of tens of thousands of dollars. Can you tell us about some of your wins and 
that you've had. Yeah, uh, probably my biggest flip was, uh, and I, I minted a few Moonbirds by the Proof Collective team. My biggest mint, and I think that came in around of like $165,000 for one of them. I, I minted a rare. I sold it a few days after. Um, it, was, it was a huge hit, like kind of like life-changing amount of money. Uh, so it was in something I identified early on. I knew that project was going to kind of pop off early. I still have a Moonbird. I kind of held on to it ever since I sold that one, but I'm very bullish on, uh, like X copy. I, I have a handful of his grifters. That's his, um, PFP collection where there's only 666 of them. Tried to get some of his one of ones, but, uh, never pulled mm. the trigger at the right time. Um, just kind of looking down at some of the things in my, Opepins, some more recent ones like Opepins and the additions. I think what Jack Butcher is doing is like really awesome. Big fan of uh, Nakamigos. I think that community is uh, very unique and they're going to launch something that's very surprising. V Friends and really anything that uh, is brings utility back to the user. Because I think that's where a lot of these NFTs at the end of the day is going to be a way to connect customers and fans together. Yeah. Definitely something that is a word thrown around a lot, utility. But just to let the listeners know, even during these times where everyone's in the build stage of the economy, there's a lot of utility out there for NFTs. Just this past weekend, I myself, I live in the Bay Area. <laughs> Napa Valley is a very famous place up in um, in Sonoma and Napa. You're okay, right, Brian? I'm okay. take a pause and yeah. make sure that yeah. you're still down, Okay, good. <laughs> that piece of ice went down the wrong pipe. I thought I could uh, sneak a drink of water on you. I'll get, I'll get. Like I was telling everyone, Napa, there's a lot of wineries, a lot of experiences, a lot of activations. And I have two NFTs there that I really got to utilize this last weekend. I sent three friends up on a hot air balloon, one for free, two for discounted price of like $99 each, which, so that normally would have cost $1,000, but my friends paid 200 bucks for a once in a lifetime hot air balloon experience. So that was amazing. And then right after the hot balloon experience, um, which was through an NFT, I went to a private vineyard, which is also through an NFT. It's a club member. It's like a winery club, but lifetime access, just one-time payment, lifetime access. For most who don't know about the wine industry, it's monthly membership fees or annual membership fees. So me and my friends got to go into a private vineyard off the main road. It was gorgeous. It was amazing. It was owned by the director of The Godfather. <laughs> so there is a lot of utility out there that I've gotten benefits of, and I'm excited for what's to come. And I was telling Brian before we jumped on his podcast together is that I think I want to buy an Etihad uh, NFT. And Brian's like, what are you talking about? And that's yeah. something I love about Brian. He's got, he's got such a vast collection that's different in mine. He's got a lot of grail art pieces. I got some art pieces, but I don't got no art pieces like Brian. I'm jealous of his grifters because I got a I got X copy. I got the Max Payne one and I'm feeling the Max Payne on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but but the Etihad one is because I'm a very big uh, points guy, like miles, yeah. credit card points and whatnot. And the way that this industry is evolving and can, will continue to evolve is, is, is fascinating. And Etihad is, uh, they have an NFT and you can stake the NFT and you can earn miles on Etihad. I've never flown Etihad, but I might in the future because they're giving me these benefits, ache and slash the, the popular reward thrown around utility. Mm -hmm. And even if I just stake and forget about it for like 20 years, I can pass that on to my kids. Maybe he can fly in first class cabins. I don't know. Maybe he'll be a CEO of a company in Dubai. I have no idea. <laughs> so that's what's exciting for me about this industry. And I, I think that's what makes me and Brian get along so well is that we both love what this has, this industry has to offer in different ways. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you nailed it. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can utilize NFTs overall and, you know, the meta for a long time. And I still believe the meta for like the upcoming years is gaming. Um, gaming has a huge opportunity to incorporate NFTs where those players actually own the physical asset, not the gaming company, and they can trade those freely across a marketplace. That, that makes a ton of sense for, to me. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? You hit the nail on the head because this last weekend, I had some friends fly in. Um, we're celebrating my wife's 30th uh, birthday, which is actually today. And uh, our, we had a baby shower. And uh, so he flew in for just a, a, a weekend getaway. And the reason I bring that up is because when he landed, the first thing he did was open up his phone, took out his mobile game, which is Pokemon. You, I'm not sure if you know Pokemon Go, right? Mm -hmm. We've all heard that phenomenon, sure. right? Well, turns out that it's still very popular. I'm not sure if you've ever played it. I've never played mm -hmm. it. Have you played it? Never. Brian? I know of it, okay. but never played so, it. So there's 80 million active players still as of today. Wow. 80 million. <laughs> and, and he collects Pokemons everywhere he goes because it has a unique location identifier. Like, oh, you caught a Pikachu in San Francisco. We went to Napa Valley. He was catching Pokemons in Napa Valley. He took his wife's phone and you know catching pokemon with his wife's phone and he's not a teenager he's like a 40 plus executive for block he works high up in the block you know block who owns cash app is a big company yeah. uh, so uh, he pays for more inventory space he collects these digital pokemons that don't have value you can't sell it there's no marketplace so the what and I brought it up to him. I'm like, you spent a lot. He goes, yeah, sometimes I spend $100 a month on this Pokemon Go. And I'm like, I can't believe that, or I can't wait until Pokemon transitions those digital assets to NFTs so that he can pass on to his kids. There's a 24-7 open marketplace where he can sell it because not everyone can get a Napa Valley Pikachu, right? You might want one, but you can't be there. And and you cannot even um, send it to your friend right now. You. So you have to be physically next to someone if you want to gift uh, a Pokemon digital asset to another game player. So you can't send be sending it to a relative in, in Hong Kong, for example, right? But these are things that he values, maybe more so than his whiskey collection. He has a vast <laughs> whiskey collection, but I dare say his Pokemon collection is more valuable. So I, I know because the meta for all of 2023 has been... I would say billions of dollars flowing over into the game ecosystem. And I also think that AI along with gaming would just, you know, advance what we even understand as gaming now to, to, to the next level. And that will probably be his own podcast in itself mm -hmm. because with AI and gaming agents, there's just so much opportunity, um, not only for fun, but for monetary gain, believe it or not. So we think play to earn is dead, but I think we it's actually probably just started. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I have kids who play Roblox and all the time they're asking me, can you buy me Robux on my credit card? And I, every time I think about when I explain Roblox to somebody that's in like, that doesn't have kids, but they understand NFTs and crypto, I'm like, oh, Roblox is basically a giant metaverse created by a major company and kids go there and they socialize, they, they want to wear a certain hat or a certain skin or, a, you know, show off in the digital world. And I wasn't sure if my kids were going to get into that, but you know, I have some young kids and we've introduced it to them recently and constantly they're like, can we use our birthday money for Robux? And 
I just kind of like bite my tongue a little bit and I'm like, Hey, this is going to be decentralized. There's, these are going to be NFTs. There's going to be a marketplace, but um, I, I'm glad they're having fun, but that's just kind of the, the next path we're going down. And I definitely see it to be successful uh, utilizing NFTs in that way. It definitely, it makes me feel closer to any brands I patronize if they have an NFT division. I, every company has a Web3 division now, right? You, if you don't have one, it's kind of like saying, I don't have an AI person or a division in a company. Like you have to have one. And right before we jumped into this podcast, I was on the Starbucks metaverse. I, I was walking around and I thought that it was cumbersome for me, but I've been to a Starbucks. Um, so the, the experience were for was for Starbucks reserve. So if you don't know, Starbucks have these massive Starbucks, maybe like six around the world. And they're like four to five floors. Have you ever been to one? Brian? I have. Yep. I'm not sure. Which one did you go to? When the, the big, is there one, uh, overseas in London? Yeah. There's one in Japan. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking. Yeah, there was one in New York, one in Seattle. Uh, there's a few others scattered everywhere. Okay, I want to maybe maybe I'm incorrect. I thought maybe I was one in London once, but well, that's why you got to jump into this metaphor. I'm... Well, you don't have to, but I just thought it was very unique that people who never experienced one can go experience one. You don't have to buy a plane ticket to go to London per se. And these are the things that if you are a like a, a consumer of the brand now for the first time ever you have some reciprocal benefits through the form of nft you don't you don't really have that type of ownership prior to nfts you're just kind of you know you, there's loyalty programs but you know it's not that great and, and here you can actually track you know the provenance of when you first started becoming you know a consumer per se and they could really give out benefits to those most loyal so I definitely i see that changing the game and i'm excited and um maybe the wife's not so because i'm spending more money than ever <laughs> on brands that i have nfts with <laughs> Uh, that's okay though. That's okay. I'm sure you get her some great things as well. A lot of a lot of cool NFTs uh, for the wife as well. Yeah, so we did buy her a a really cool NFT. It's the uh, the biggest one that we purchased for my wife is uh, the restaurant NFT Fly Fish Club by Gary. Yeah, Lee. awesome. It hasn't it hasn't opened yet, but the way they positioned it was that you can rent out the NFT because it's a membership mm. only restaurant. So I said, Hey, honey, you have a lot of school loans. <laughs> this could potentially be reoccurring revenue. And she's like, okay, let's do it. Uh, so that's my wife's story. What, what, or if any NFTs that your wife or that you have purchased for your wife? Right? Uh, I have purchased one NFT for my wife and it didn't do too well. It was uh, you remember the, the artist pack P A K. Yes. And then he did yes. the merge token. It was like a mm -hmm. black dot merge token. As many as you bought, they would merge yep. together. And that was so hyped because he's, you know, kind of a huge digital artist. We haven't heard from him for a while, but I bought her a, uh, I gave her a same pitch. I was like, these are going to be worth something. You know, this huge digital artist pack. And I, I got a, I got a NFT from him earlier on one of his cubes and I bought for $500 and it ran all the way up to $20,000 and I ended up selling mm. it. And I was like, these merges are going to do the exact same thing. They're $500. And I bought a handful and I was like, and my wife, Lindsay, I was like, Hey, we're going to buy you one as well. We bought one. Uh, we, we still have all our merges. <laughs> <laughs> well, you win some, you lose some, you can't win everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I have a question for you just to wrap things up. 
I have a newborn coming along the way. What NFT, if any, would you recommend I purchase for him as a, as a gift coming into this world? Um, I'm, um, I'm minting my own in real life NFT. <laughs> You you are you wait you you you're gonna mint you're gonna take one off of a established collection or you gonna develop an NFT for you an established collection? No, it was a joke. You know how we mint NFTs? Yeah, I'm minting my my baby. Oh, you're minting so your baby. I thought it was a, a legit rare... question. What NFT you should buy for your baby? <laughs> oh, and and a question yeah, like yeah, if I were to purchase one for for as a gift for my newborn, that's, what would you recommend it? That's how I understood it. I would get a squiggle. Right back there. Held the floor nicely okay. in an NFT bear market. It's a little expensive, but if generative art continues to like stay strong and pick up, it might be a nice investment. Maybe get, pay for his college when he's ready to go. You know what? I should have put down a baby shower list and sends it right to you. <laughs> you might get a homemade squiggle. You might not get one digital. <laughs> right. Yeah. That would be a crazy gift. Can you imagine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll think about that. I don't have a squiggle. I have a squiggle balloon. <laughs> yeah. But I will look into something because, you know, I love NFTs. I want me and the wife have one. The baby, the new baby needs one also. You could do a friendship bracelet, maybe an Artblocks friendship bracelet and make a friendship bracelet for you and the baby, like kind of a physical and a digital combined. Yeah. Hmm. All things to look into. For sure. There's so many out there. So many I'm excited about. Uh, definitely will let everyone know. That's why they got to stay tuned because maybe on the next podcast, we'll review which one I purchased for the baby. I like it. Well, Brian, we could probably go on forever talking about NFTs and the excitement that we both have for them and the utility and whatnot. Uh, but moving forward, Brian's going to be a co-host on all podcast recordings. Super excited to have you on board. Your wealth of knowledge, your energy, your enthusiasm, and just everything. Thank you so much. Brian. Right. Thanks, Joe. Super happy to be here. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Thanks.